Welcome to the Newsbusters podcast with the executive editor of Newsbusters, your host, Tim Graham. Hello and welcome from the snow-panicked outer burbs of Virginia. Two to three inches of snow are a major problem. In Wisconsin, it's like, hey, welcome to Thursday. But out here, the back roads aren't plowed well, including Sunrise Valley Drive that goes right by the new MRC HQ. Managing Editor Curtis Houck is here. Yes, I made it. Yes, uh, and I think the thing, too, is the snow removal process uh, coming from Pennsylvania, where we get more snow as well, though probably not as much as Wisconsin. Yes, the snow removal just is not, it, that it just, mm. Yeah, Pennsylvania, I, I recognize as a snow state. We would have a disagreement maybe over whether it's Midwest or not. We sort of cut that off at Ohio, but definitely most oh, of— Oh, no, I don't know, no, no. I don't think it's Midwestern at all. Right, so, but it's definitely a snow state. Anybody who's seen, you know, Pittsburgh Steeler games, I mean— We've got ski resorts out there, Seven Mountains, and, uh, you know, some, like, day trip uh, ski resorts. So, yeah, there's plenty of that. So, anyway— yeah, we used to take the Girl Scouts to Whitetail to sled on the ski hill. All right, so I wanted to start today by talking about Fonnie Willis, the Fulton County District Attorney uh, who has indicted a pile of Trumpers and the president on election interference or uh, you know vote fraud. This case looks like it's going to collapse and not be the major threat to Trump all the journalists had hoped for. It turns out Fani was engaged in an improper relationship with her lead prosecutor, Nathan Wade. Mr. Wade took Ms. Willis on fancy vacations as she was paying him 250 bucks an hour for a job he didn't really have much experience in. Uh, this was on the front page of the Washington Post on Friday. You told me it was, it's not the first day this week. Right, exactly. On Monday, there was a huge story uh, with the online title, Nathan Wade, Embattled Prosecutor in Georgia Trump Case, Has Little Prosecution Experience. Yeah. That doesn't necessarily endow confidence. Right. Uh, what happened was it was a very short portion on the bottom section, so below the fold, but it was nonetheless on the front page. And then it was on the back page of the A section, and it spanned the entire page. So that's a pretty lengthy story. And so the and it was three it was a triple byline. So there was a number of reporters involved, and the general gist was: Yes, Fannie Willis says it's racist and everything, but instead of just saying that she's wrong or that she has no evidence to make these claims about Michael Roman uh, in his legal counsel, the Trump defendant co-defendant who's raised this uh, bombshell, is. Well, yeah, so she says it's racist, but he doesn't really actually have a record. He didn't really – he hasn't really tried any cases. Uh, and to Fonnie Willis's claim that, ooh, I pointed three special prosecutors, two of them are white, and they're only attacking the black guy. It's about experience. It's actually – is about experience because the Post went through the backgrounds of the two white attorneys. One of them has only charged RICO cases, and no matter what you think about the merits of this case, she is charging Trump and his co-defendants in a RICO case, like a criminal enterprise. So it would make sense if you want to prove criminal enterprise charges, you would bring in a criminal enterprise attorney. Right. Um, and that's what she did. Whereas Nathan Wade, 
Yeah. Yeah. And he has also made headlines kind of as a race hustler in his own right. He spoke out uh, in an article with the an Atlanta area law magazine uh, that was mentioned in this post piece decrying the fact that he's been denied a judgeship. Uh, this was a number of years ago that he had not been made a judge yet because too many white people are conspiring against black people. So there you go. That's kind of where this guy's coming from. Uh, he's much more interested in racial grievances, uh, race hustling and peddling instead of actually, you know, maybe doing putting your head down and doing your job. Um, and there's also been some conspicuous uh, now or much more interesting revelations that he frequently sparred with and really upset the attorneys for people who were dragged before the grand jury. And it really wasn't mentioned at the time. Yeah, these are people who were really not necessarily about. the ones they indicted. Correct, or just people that were called to testify. Right. This Post article, which I recommend people read, gets into all of this and how he frequently was accused of set, you know, talking about evidence that hadn't been introduced yet or just uh, really just not being very hospitable or just behaving very unprofessionally in front of not just the uh, uh, witnesses in their counsel, but also in front of the grand jury as well. So his behavior has been called into question as well. So now when you piece all of this together, that they were maybe sleeping together and going on vacations and making all this money, it all kind of makes sense now. Yeah, I mean, they found that he was making more per hour than these other, the white lawyers, that which she suggested right. they were all making the same rate, which was not accurate. So kudos to the Post, I guess, but the networks didn't exactly follow. Uh, I let's Let me start with PBS, and then you can do the other networks. But the PBS NewsHour tweet was just like, we are a press team for Fonnie Willis. Willis is accusing the estranged wife of a special prosecutor she hired of trying to obstruct her criminal election interference case against Trump and others by seeking to question her in the couple's divorce proceedings. This tweet leaves out Willis is in a relationship with the estranged husband. That's kind of relevant. And so why wouldn't it lead to her seeking testimony from the mistress? Uh, it's just... <laughs> Bizarre. Then on the actual PBS NewsHour uh, last night, Jeff Bennett did an anchor brief. Five sentences, 72 words. It lasted 24 seconds. But Curtis, they gave eight minutes to former NPR anchor Michelle Norris and her book on race relations. You know, she asked people to send in a card with their thoughts on race in six words. I just tweeted, people of color can be racist. <laughs> Oh, man. Talk about highbrow programming right yeah. there. This is what PBS and NPR, that's what they consider, you know, quality, earth-shattering, you know, substantive news. Yeah, I mean, it's as the in, not the news. Michelle Norris, who was an NPR anchor until her husband went to work for the Obama campaign. I mean, yeah, it's, it's PBS and NPR being buddy-buddy. Right. And, and yeah. obsessing over race. Right. Exactly. Um, so on the broadcast front, it was silent for about a week from when the allegations first came out. But we rewind to uh, Monday when uh, ABC's Good Morning America broke the ice. You had Steve Osinsami, who's based down in Atlanta. Oh, good. Say that. There was hope among many people who wanted to hear her deny one of the biggest allegations against her, that she was allegedly in a relationship with one of the special prosecutors she hired to work the case against the president. But then Steve Osami 
goes on to say that uh, she did not, but she did not confirm or deny any of that. <laughs> you know, that's as stunning. That's as much, I guess, groveling or admission of guilt that you're going to get from liberal journalists towards one of their own. Um, yeah, you need to deny it. That's what, as a reporter, a reporter, when you're a little cynical, it's like, I need you to deny it, even if you're lying. Right. When you refuse to confirm or deny is like an admission. Yeah, when you don't do that, you can, I can't, you, you're not giving me anything to work with here. You know, I can't really truly cover for you if you're not out there just saying this didn't happen. And she's not doing that. So which, the people around her are either giving her bad advice or she, if she's not guilty of this, or she's guilty as hell. <laughs> and obviously that's what it seems more like she is in this case. And she even admitted in the speech at a black church in Atlanta that she is, quote, flawed and imperfect. That she said she's like, oh, my gosh, that's yeah. not good. Yeah. Not I mean, good. The idea that she went to defend herself in one of these black churches, and, and that's never scary uh, you know, refusal to separate church and state, as we all understand. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Uh, because, as we've been told, mixing race and politics or mixing church and politics is, you know, heresy. Unless. Unless. Unless you're in the black church. And, yeah, and, and you and, can do whatever you want. So, so the polls, you can have candidates come and nobody really cares. So she declares she's a sinner, Curtis, but I don't think she's... A repentant sinner. <laughs> Clearly not. Uh, Clearly not, because then she pivots to playing the race card, accusing uh, her critics and people who've said, we need to look into this, of being the real racist. I'm not a racist, you're a racist. Yeah, it's the <laughs> it way it works. It doesn't work at all. Uh, so things went silent for a little while until uh, we came around, uh, because recently, yes, we had these stories in the Post, and a judge finally scheduled a hearing. Right, at February the the 15. Correct, but she has till the beginning of the month to more formally respond to these claims. I guess, in writing. And uh, so because of that, we had more coverage. We had coverage on ABC World News Tonight last night, full story with Pierre Thomas. Uh, so that's twofer for ABC. I'm always surprised, you know? I'm yeah. happy about it. Yeah, or Jorge Benilla uh, had that piece up in Newsbusters, and then uh, we added some updates this morning because CBS finally broke the ice with Nicole Killian weighing in on this case as well. And she kind of took a big picture and brought viewers up to speed about what's going on. Ricky, they brought Ricky Kleeman on for a couple sound bites to say, okay. obviously this isn't good. However, she said, you know, well, they could just throw Fonnie Willis and everyone off the case, bring a special prosecutor in, or she could ask for one to be appointed somehow. I don't know how independent that is then, um, but they could decide then to keep the case is to keep the case going. Although, uh, I feel like these co-defendants would have a number of legs to stand on, and the, I don't want to see if the media mentions this because, as the post story mentions, Wade was present and obviously a participating, a you know, prosecuting attorney in a lot of these grand jury proceedings. And if you're basing your indictments off of grand, you know, grand jury statements, grand evidence recovered as part of subpoenas, uh, he was part of that or signed off on any of that. There's questions then of whether such things could be produced as introduced as evidence at a trial. Uh, so there's a whole host of issues, but she tried to say, don't worry about it. Sure, Fonnie might be screwed and charged with fraud, but, you know, eh, it's totally fine. And then finally, Tim, the most important thing that both Pierre Thomas, uh, Steve Ozensami did, and Nicole Killian did, is they all had to say the word that there's no ev – without evidence that the Trump lawyer has made these claims – yeah, I mean, so it's better that they actually cover it. We've had this debate 
in the old news analysis department. <laughs> and decades. that is, yeah, it's like, would you rather have it be omitted or would you have rather have it reported badly? And and uh, I'm usually the outlier. I say I ref- I like it reported badly because at least to people who don't see a lot of news, they wouldn't say, I've never heard such a thing. Where are you getting this? This must right. be some sort of crazy Fox story. Right, and it's not being introduced that way. And I think what's actually helped this case gain legs is sure house republicans are kind of interested in this because a lot of trump's defenders in congress are saying oh we got to you know defend mr trump well it, it the trump team president trump's legal team itself has not yet joined this this filing yet this motion to dismiss they're maybe, maybe on purpose right they're sticking with oh no president trump has total immunity to do anything always <laughs> yeah that's their excuse right whereas this is just a defendant michael roman no one's ever heard of i hadn't heard of him and i knew a lot of people on the trump campaign um so he's not definitely a jenna ellis or Sidney powell he's not a mark meadows of mm-hmm. sorts uh so i think that gives it more weight because it's been this kind of random person making Mm -hmm. these claims. It's made it, you know, not be as tainted as it might be if Alina Haba was making this filing. I just have to guess, and we make this joke a lot, about the difference between what they report on television and what they're talking about in the newsroom. Because you know that they're like, oh, crap. Right. This one's going off the rails. Right, exactly. Yeah, they were very excited about this one because it's very sprawling and they had all the mug shots. And most most importantly for the news media, this was a case, and if it still goes, it it will, but this is the so far the one of only four cases involving Trump, or five if you throw in the civil fraud trial, which is wrapped, where cameras would be permitted during the trial, OJ style. But there's, in this case, this hearing on February 15, isn't that also available for, for I, broadcast? I'm not sure. I would think, I would think so. But, <laughs> but yes. Yeah, so the, for and the, then who will not carry right, it? Right. But for the media, this one in particular is very interesting and very important for them because they were probably looking forward to having this trial mm-hmm. that was hoping to, that they were hoping to start in September, October, you know, right before the election or just after the election. They were hoping to, carry that wall to wall, like, you know, with OJ or, mm-hmm. uh, you know, uh, Casey Anthony or something like that. So, uh, now yeah. that's in jeopardy. Yeah. I, so you have to realize that the, that is as little as they're talking about it. And but the Washington Post put it on the front page and that, times, the, yeah, the news judgment is guys, it's going badly. But it's thousands of words and, you know, they're, they're, it's not really, it doesn't have the Philip Rucker or Matt Visor like snotty asides. But the fact when they go about saying, oh, Fani says it's racist, you know, and then the next paragraph, they're like the white attorneys, they have this, both have these long records trying multiple cases, whereas Nathan Wade hasn't really tried a case ever. Facts matter. I mean, this is, right. if you want us to say this reporting in a liberal Democrat newspaper is credible, that's what you do. You actually say, well, we looked into these people's resumes. Why don't you just do that? Now, let me add this one, Curtis. NPR had no story on Morning Edition and the hilariously titled All Things Considered. Uh, and uh, now, it's possible they did these in the, the way this works when we judge NPR is they have the top of our newscast, which is not included when you 
go into the website on npr.org and look at what they covered, but they had no feature story on Fonnie Willis. But on Thursday nights, all things considered, they do did they did do a four-minute badly disguised press release for hey guys, Kamala Harris is going to make guns an issue, and the all the people quoted were like Kamala strategists professors who used to work for the Biden campaign. I mean, it was just ludicrous uh, by a report, a White House reporter named Deepa Shivaram. Ugh, that's but, gross. But the, yeah, I mean, this has happened before. Is NPR's coverage of the Biden administration's very state-run radio. Yeah, and they, I mean, that's the incestuousness of it all. You know, MSNBC has Jen Psaki interview people with the Biden campaign. Yeah. And we're totally just supposed to be fine with this? Well, I mean... Obviously, if you're I mean, MSNBC, you, you watch liberal Twitter. I laugh at this all the time because they're like, Chuck Todd's a hack. We'd rather have Jen Psaki on Meet the Press. And you're like, yes, what you're seeing is we need a complete Democrat National Committee silo, and we call that news. Yeah, you can't. We can't have the unofficial DNC official. We got to have the official one. So uh, let, so let's do this, Curtis. We'll go back. We were on our, our Newsmax shot today, and—, and uh, I was called to laugh at and mock Rachel Maddow saying, as a news organization, we can't put Trump on live. <laughs> We're like, one, you're not a news organization. Right. Certainly not Maddow's not a news person. And, uh, and you know, the idea that you're based on truth uh, when you're, you know, major providers of collusion and whatnot. And then we got to Joy Reid. Right. That's where you had fun uh, saying that, the problem with I, the Iowa caucuses is they're overrepresented by white Christians. Right, right. I mean, this is complete racial arsonism is what I said on Newsmax. <laughs> and I said that— And they uh, were like, what? Yeah, Joy— That's cool. In the break, they were all like, oh, my gosh. Uh, Joy <laughs> Reid is—and and then the other line that I had was, Joy Reid is Al Sharpton in a wig. That's, that's it. That's really what this is. And, you know, this is something, you know, oh, it may offend some people. I don't care. It's the fact. The rea- and the other thing I said on Newsweek, in case you missed it, the reality is Joe Biden moved the Iowa caucuses, the Hawkeye caucus, he remo- moved it to Super Tuesday because they overwhelmingly rejected him during the primary. New Hampshire. But they, the excuse they, being it's they're too white. They're too white. They're not representative. And same with New Hampshire. Even though New Hampshire, by all intents and purposes, is a blue state. It'll go leave free or die. Both congressional districts are Democrats. Both senators are Democrats. Come on. Give me a break. Yeah. Um, the way you get around it is New Hampshire has a humongo legislature. If you go look it up, there's yes hundreds and hundreds of state reps. So that's kind of how you get Republican majorities. And the governor has to run every two years. So they're a little bit different in that regard. But to say they're kind of got a libertarian streak is kind of ridiculous because they have two uh, or four rubber stamp Democrats in Congress, both cool. houses of Congress. Uh, but so then you go to South Carolina. Oh, so South Carolina's moved to the front of the line because they saved Joe Biden. You know, Jim Clyburn, Jim Clyburn, who dominate, who is predominantly a Democrat voter in South Carolina, black women. And Joy Reid's never going to say South Carolina is overrepresented by blacks. No. And that's, I think, the really offensive word, Curtis, is the overrepresented. Um, and 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 this is where they they all tout that they're for diversity and equity and inclusion, right. but what it really comes down to is whites are inferior. We can't. We have too many whites. I mean, when it comes down to it, uh, you know, 
Joy Reid dislikes we have a white Democrat president. Right, exactly. Uh, And I just have to touch on Rachel Maddow, for example. Uh, So she says, we're not going to carry Trump because we as a news organization, and that was your point on Newsmax, I would say you're a news organization is hilarious. That reminded me. Uh, folks, if you haven't looked this up, you should on YouTube because it's really, really funny. Uh, <laughs> MSNBC did a series of promos, I would probably say about a decade ago, so probably right after I started Newsbusters, where they said Rachel Maddow is a journalist. Mm-hmm. They're like, meet Rachel. She's a journalist, you know, and they, she's a funny person. You know, they, they tried to humanize her and make her seem like, you know, real objective, tell it like it is, um, you know, I don't know, female Cronkite or something like that. There was uh, a lot of this thing about <laughs> There was a lot of this thing about when you we, the Washington Post or the New York Times would do a profile on her. The dominant theme was, wow, she really does her homework. She does the facts or whatever. And, you know, we had Jack Coleman for a number of years write stories about that where he would just pick apart her commentaries. <laughs> but I got to give a shout out to our buddies at the Free Beacon because Rachel Maddow said in there, we as a news organization do not show things that aren't true. Huh. So our buddies over at the Free Beacon, including uh, the great Drew Holden, uh, Bulldog winner, uh, and Thalia Empersad, uh, sorry if I mispronounced her name, uh, one of their video editors over there, put together a compilation that folks should take out all of the false things that have been said on MSNBC. And some of their examples include uh, Jesse Smollett being the victim of a MAGA hate crime. Michelle Walensky, Michelle Walensky going on saying the COVID vaccines will prevent transit transmission. Maddow said that too. Yeah, that was on her show. The lab leak theory of COVID-19 was debunked, that Trump colluded with Russia, that uh, the Hunter Biden laptop was Russian disinformation. Oh, yeah, they did a lot of that. So, and Joe Biden had no involvement in his son's corrupt foreign business dealings. So that, that's just a very small sample yeah, of things I would that go are back factually to, inaccurate. I would go back to the 90s. We'll remember that MSNBC came on the air in 1996, just like Fox News did. So that means MSNBC put a president live on the air when he said, I did not have a relationship with that woman, Miss Lewinsky. No, no, no. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, hello. We're off to a great start, guys. There's all kinds of that. Now, but see, this is kind of the, the journalism point which is sometimes the journalistic thing to do is to put on a president and let him speak. If you want to come in 10 minutes later, like, yeah. like Jake Tapper and go, here he is with his anti-immigrant rhetoric. Yeah, if you again. want to roll Daniel Dale out, you know, yeah. I mean, we'll write about it and make fun of it. But like, you know, that's their prerogative. Like, what are they going to do if Trump's reelected and there's a state of the union? Well, it'll be fun for us at Newsbusters because they just won't carry it then. You know, what is MSNBC going to do? Drag out like lockup reruns like they used to on weekends uh, they probably try to run a ticker right they're we're gonna fact check in real time well that was the stelter line it was like oh they or someone or somebody like him that was like why can't we just have flashing chirons now you know call now call now and like a car commercial with someone flying and and part of the look again fact checking in an in a journalism school way and maybe journalism schools ain't what they used to be Fact checking is something that journalists would do, and they would. But the problem is, as we all know, is they're very aggressive, quote unquote, fact checking Republicans, and they let Democrats say all kinds of hooey. Right, and that's why you know, for any liberal or moderate or skeptics listening, you know, we remind you that at least with the two of us, you know, we are not under any sort of illusion that Trump is some sort of hundred percent truth sayer. At a minimum, he is 
the biggest bloviator you've ever met. I mean, he is that buddy that you hear that overinflates his own self-importance in every single kind of epic college story about, you know, some crazy night partying. He'll talk, he'll, you know, say that I was the one who saved this person or, you know, I was my idea to go to here or that we shouldn't go here. That's, that is who Trump is. However, as you point out routinely regarding PolitiFact, you go to the tags for some of these Democrats and either A, you get an error message because it doesn't exist at all, or there's one fact check and it's probably true. Yeah, and, and, and uh, I, I did tweet just the other day that if you go to the named politicians on PolitiFact, uh, that there were 14 fact checks of Republicans, five of Trump, four of DeSantis, two of Haley. Now, this makes sense in that these people are running for president They're making a lot of public appearances, right. 14 yeah. to one, one Joe Biden. And and I think it's now 15 or 16 to one, but it's a, this is what's wrong with the fact-checking is that they just simply think Republicans are untruthful 14 times as often. Right, and, and for example, you know, we go to the White House press briefing that I had this week, you know, Jackie Heinrich confronting KJP on the fact that even Glenn Kessler gave the White House three Pinocchios for this insane claim that the House Republicans want to eliminate 2,000 Border Patrol positions. And it was interesting because you never really hear about that. It's the same sort of thing with Andrew Kaczynski with K-File. He'll do some big thing. At CNN. At CNN. He'll do some big thing about how a Democrat – you know, played fast and loose with their biography or something like that. You know, they didn't graduate with honors or they said all kinds of crazy things. He actually does do those kinds of deep dives. But what are the ones that actually get him on television? You know, the Trump stuff, the Mike Johnson stuff, though, the most recent one, uh, Mark Robinson, I believe, is uh, oh, yes. the, the, the North, North Carolina, Carolina. Uh, the lieutenant governor who's running for governor, saying all sorts of things about abortion. That's the kind of stuff that gets you on TV. Uh, well, it's just like Daniel Dale. I yeah. mean, we, we've done this before where it's like when Daniel Dale actually comes on television to discuss one of his fact checks, it's overwhelmingly him attacking Trump or a Republican. You know, even if his actual fact checks have a Democrat salted in here or there, um, and again, he has that sort of a tilt. But yeah, he's almost always, when he shows up on television, he's been kind of absent. Uh, uh, again, in a troubling, like, you know, where's Waldo sort he's of busy way. watching the Raptors or something. I <laughs> was hearing the one, like, Biden speech. He was like, I'm watching the Raptors, guys. <laughs> but it, it, it's, it, once again, they betray this whole notion is that fact checkers are something that Republicans should do. Now, you mentioned abortion, so let's throw this in, Curtis. We yeah. were talking about this yesterday. CBS Mornings had a piece. They went, they turned to Nancy Cordes to... Uh, to basically do a press release again for the Bidens. You know, Biden-Harris will have an event next week uh, in Northern Virginia to tout abortion rights. And nowhere in there is there any notion of, mm, yes, devout Catholic Joe Biden running on abortion. Or what it, when you poll voters, where does abortion rank in terms of importance? Uh, They're all guessing that right now it's a, they look at the midterms and they say right. abortion turned out our they turned our out our people yeah. but you know and that's the kind of splitting of hairs you acknowledge it turned out your voters but when you turn to what do voters say is the most important issue they're still going to say the economy they're right. going to say crime they're going to say the border um, 
So, but they're probably focusing. We know the way they think. They're focusing on young people, right? And that's a three legged turning them out. Well, yeah, you can see it now. There's a three legged stool: abortion, you know, guns, you know, and democracy. Yeah. Well, and that's the laziest part. Let's 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 just wrap up on that notion. And that is what's missing from the Nancy Cordes story is any notion of he actually has opponents. And then, right. <laughs> Biden Harris will kick off their campaign. Do they have opponents? Nobody cares. It it was a very general election sounding piece. Right. And this is kind of a, this is the preview we're going to see. You know, KJP insists that Joe Biden is going to be out there. But, you know, for all intents and purposes, if Donald Trump is going to be in a courtroom constantly or if, if one of these trials finishes and he's sentenced to house arrest, he's going to be running a basement campaign. So Joe Biden's going to be like, you know, why should I do that? You know, he's going to want to or if I mean, he may want not want to, but his team will make him run another basement campaign. That is where we are all intents and purposes likely heading towards um i have not listened that biden did some sort of interview radio interview yeah. with sharpton on monday i'll have to go back and try to find right. it but oh, it's, yeah. interviews are very rare and very, interviews are very rare especially outside of pop culture you know, he Seacrest. did that one with conan o'brien about yeah. like stuttering and like dep- or he did one with anderson cooper not about the news of the day but about grief and talk about Bo. Yeah, I think that there should be if if you're if you people are all going to run around talking about democracy and how you help democracy and it doesn't want to die in darkness, then yeah, talk about how the people in New Hampshire feel spurned. What if New Hampshire becomes a Trump state because you spurned them? Right. Um, yeah, they're because they are very bitter about this, and this is a. Re- I mean, again, that's a real thing if you talk to them and. I feel like that generally happens a lot when it's only a one-party uh, primary process. Yeah, and uh, I mean, like voters feel left out. It's it's not a big story on the network television that you know in late November, Florida Democrats quietly, quote unquote, said ABC submitted a list of candidates to their Secretary of State, and only Biden was on the list. This has not just happened in Florida; it happened in North Carolina, it happened in Tennessee, it happened in Massachusetts. Biden was called the list of candidates. Now, in New Hampshire, uh, you know, if there's 20-something people on it, and it's got Vermin Supreme and all the wackadoos. <laughs> and then Dean Phillips and Marianne Williamson. Marianne Williamson may be with the wackadoos, but she got more respect the last time when she was running than she's now being ignored. Oh, my gosh. She was all over the place. People loved her, the power of love and her healing crystals. And <laughs> that stuff was talked about everywhere, whereas now you don't really have that. When Dean Phillips complained to Politico, to Michael Schaefer, who actually granted his case, that since declaring his candidacy in October, he hasn't been interviewed once on MSNBC. He hasn't been on the Sunday talk shows. CNN's had him on a couple of times, but not on the uh, hour-long town halls. Remember last time? Eric Swalwell got an hour. Oh, that was... (laughs) I talked to Nick about that. That was... That was... That was exhausting. So, you know, Dean Phillips, I mean, you know, the, the CNN's giving hours to DeSantis and Hicken, Haley. Hickenlooper. Right. Other guys, like, right. It was like, how low are they going to go? How low in the polls do these people have to yeah, be to if, actually make it? If the Republicans were the Democrats this time, they would have given a town hall to Ryan Binkley. Yes. Well, and, and yes, they didn't quite get down to, uh, they, well, they did the mayor of South Bend, Indiana. Right, it's south by southwest when he was polling at like one percent. Right. So I mean, it's it it's this to me. We should all pluck this out and talk about Dean Phillips in particular. Um, now we'll see. Uh, the latest poll I saw out of New Hampshire has Biden at like sixty eight and Phillips and Williamson at like eight and seven. 
Who knows? You know, and this is the weird thing. Everybody's writing in Biden. Right. And then this is different. I would just say, too, is my final thought. Dean Phillips is a sitting member of Congress. We're not talking about Trump and like Bill Weld or like Joe Walsh, like also Rands. uh, We've got something coming. We'll just whisper to you that uh, counting up all the interviews that Bill Weld and Walsh got on MSNBC back then compared (laughs) compared to what's going on now and certainly compared to. You know, RFK Jr., when he was running as a Democrat, was getting a lot of this same treatment. And Dean Phillips is sort of bitter because he's sort of like, oh, News Nation has me on. Uh, Fox has me on. You know, they, you know, a lot of people who are not considered Democrat networks, whether they're considered moderate networks or Republican conservative networks, they're all willing to talk to Dean Phillips. Uh, Dan Abrams had a really interesting interview with Dean Phillips, but yeah. they're, they, they're just not. Same with Marianne Williamson. News Nation has talked to Marianne Williamson. Yeah. So it's like, yes, what do you have against democracy that you can't even acknowledge that Biden has actual opponents? Yeah. It's just, hang- that question's just hanging out there. We'll let it marinate. We're going to keep hanging out on that question. So follow what we're doing on that. At Newsbusters, come once, twice, 24 times a day. Thanks for listening.